Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and boy, do I have a good show for you today. Very excited to bring on Rob Bluey in just a minute. He's my Washington, D.C. correspondent. We'll find out what's going on in our nation's capital. And then Ray Comfort, who has written over 100 books. You probably know the name. He's coming on next. He's going to talk about his new book, How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. And then hour two is Dr. Mark Muska, Ask the Professor. So if you've got a question, you don't have to wait for hour two to send it over. You can do it right now. You can send it to 877-933-2484. That, of course, is the text line. You can also email me, bill, at myfaithradio.com. Rob Louie is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. I always say go to dailysignal.com and check it out. Rob, welcome. Hey, it's good to be with you, Bill, and I love taking your audience's questions, so I do hope they send some in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So let's start off with a happy thing, which is the uh, March for Life, which just happened on Sunday. Yes. Well, well, the March for Life happened on Friday, and then there was another Friday. big march in D.C. on Sunday, which was uh, protesting the vaccine mandate. So we can cover both of them. Oh, yeah, yes. That's what, I, that's what I meant, the March for Life, because I know um, the, the uh, Heritage Foundation president, Dr. Kevin Roberts, spoke uh, at the March for Life, and that must have been exciting. He was. He was. He had a busy weekend. He was up on the stage at the March for Life at the kickoff, and then he was at the Students for Life Summit on Saturday morning. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's great uh, now to work for two presidents. Kay James got her start in uh, in the policy and politics world by working for a pro-life cause. And now Kevin Roberts, who's leading the organization and is so passionate about these issues. And there were tens of thousands of people who came to Washington, D.C. on a bitterly cold day. Temperatures were in the mm-hmm. low 20s. And they marched uh, from basically the White House area all the way uh, down the National Mall to the United States Supreme Court, which, of course, is the symbol of, uh, of Roe v. Wade, a decision that was, was decided in 1973. And for the first time in 49 years, uh, appears that we might be on the cusp of, of finally undoing uh, that tragic decision that has led to the uh, death of so many unborn babies. And so you had people from all walks of life, uh, all faiths, uh, all races, all ages, just a tremendous outpouring of of support uh, for this cause. And uh, it's something that they do every year, uh, whether it's a beautiful day or whether it's a snowstorm or freezing cold temperatures bill, uh, their passion and dedication to this issue is, is just remarkable. And so we, uh, we told many of their stories on the Daily Signal, and we've got great content from, from all of our reporters who are out there with them marching. And uh, it was just great to see. I had a fun watching the Virginia Allen interview. She's got a, a video on DailySignal.com, uh, asking people where they were, where they were from, how far they traveled to come to the March for Life. I tell you, I smiled ear to ear the whole time. Yes, we had a map, and they they put a little dot uh, from the yeah. city that they uh, they were from. And you know, by the end of the the interview, you saw most of the the states uh, you know uh, rep- represented there. So yeah, it was it's it that is one of the things that I think distinguishes this march from some of the other events that take place in Washington D.C. They may pull in from 
the local communities in, in Maryland and Virginia and, and the mm-hmm. city itself. Uh, but the March for Life is is so big and it pulls from so many different areas that people uh, make the commitment. And sometimes they make the, the pilgrimage as a group. Uh, you know, a church will bring them and, and everybody will attend. And that's, I think, what makes it so special. And they've been doing it now uh, for so long, for 49 years, uh, that uh, that it's obviously a, a tradition for many families to bring their, their young kids or even their grandkids with them to Washington for the march. And it's always a peaceful event. I mean, that's the other thing. Some of these uh, rallies can get out of hand, but the March for Life is is always known as uh, as an event where they're marching peacefully down the mall, uh, usually with a sign in hand, and uh, and it doesn't get the media coverage it deserves, given the the large number of people who are always there in attendance. Uh, but that's just uh, a reality of the bias that we face in in most media outlets. And maybe a slight bit more energy this year with what's going to be the decision by the Supreme Court in June. So that's exciting. It certainly was. Yes, this was uh, this was a special year in that regard because there have been times in the past, uh, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, where the court heard other cases that were were challenging Roe. But I think that the composition of the court this time—that you have a conservative majority on the court, uh, six justices appointed by Republican presidents, uh, many of whom have have made it clear that they are are pro-life—and um, there is real energy that maybe this march will not have to take place in January anymore because Roe v. Wade will disappear and that that tragic error will be erased uh, from from the books. Uh, and maybe there will be an opportunity to celebrate with a march in June if this Dobbs decision comes out uh, the way that we all hope and uh, are praying that it will. Dr. Kevin Roberts, who's the president of Heritage uh, Foundation, also known as Rob's boss, uh, made a really lovely comment saying that the radical American left wants you to doubt your commitment to this cause of life. But we know that the truth is on our side because the clarity of the Lord's vision for the culture of life in the United States is the wind in our sails that we will prevail, just as Wilberforce would remind us if he were here today. Way to go, Kevin. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you. And one of the other things that, that Kevin is, uh, is, has talked to us about and is working to build a bigger coalition to do is making sure that all of the conservative and Christian and pro-life groups that are so passionate about this particular issue and have been working hard for so long to to undo the damage of Roe are prepared in June when the Supreme Court hands down that decision. If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, this battle will return in large across the 50 states, uh, in each state will have an opportunity in, in their own legislatures to determine what it is, what, what their pro-life legislation will be. Even in states like New York and California, where, you know, obviously there's an uphill battle given the composition of those uh, state legislative bodies, I think that, you know, you will find passionate people who are in elected office who take up this cause. And so there will be a debate at the federal level here in Congress. There will be a big debate in the states. And I'm expecting that when those legislative sessions start in 2023, uh, there will be a lot of activity on this issue. Mm -hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com. So it seems like if you step away from the news for 30 minutes, the situation in Russia and Ukraine changes. There's always new news, new information, new things to think about. Where are we right now at this time? Yes, well, it's uh, it is uh, changing by the moment. And I've Watching the press briefing today with Jen Psaki uh, and uh, 
and the Pentagon briefing and the State Department briefing. So you try to consume as much news as you, you can and get those updates. But it's not looking great. Uh, they're still suggesting that a Russian invasion of Ukraine could be imminent. Uh, the United States has put uh, about 8,000 troops on high alert uh, to be ready to go to Europe if, if necessary. Uh, unfortunately, Bill, I think this is a situation that could have been avoidable. Uh, I think that what happened in Afghanistan only emboldened uh, Vladimir Putin to be more aggressive. He saw that the United States botched uh, that situation there pretty badly, uh, was criticized in the world stage for how it left not only the American citizens uh, in a position of of jeopardy, but also many Afghanis who, who aided and supported the war on terror uh, during uh, the past two decades. And so those situations, I think, have created uh, this, this turmoil that exists now between Russia and Ukraine. And of course, uh, President Biden's press conference last week, which you know, it was just a disaster, when it, particularly on this issue, when he suggested that even a minor incursion uh, might not necessitate a response, uh, you had a widespread condemnation from not only the Ukrainian president, uh, but others uh, across the globe who just thought that that was uh, not the appropriate way to, to address the issue. Um, so there are a number of things the United States could do. Yes, we could send some ground forces to other European countries. The Ukrainians have not asked us to send troops uh, to Ukraine, and I don't think that it's an appropriate uh, move uh, for us to do so at this time. Uh, there are NATO allies, though, who are worried about what a Russian invasion of Ukraine might mean for their own security. And we also have to be thinking first and foremost about the security of the American people. I mean, that is what mm -hmm. our, our military is charged to do. And so uh, we can we can hope that Putin gets the message and uh, backs down. I don't know at this point if uh, he's going to be willing to do so. And I think that there's, um, based on his previous actions, a uh, lot to suggest that uh, he will continue to be more aggressive until somebody stands up to him and says, stop it. I mean, Rob, this could be a, a serious bloody mess, couldn't it? Yes. Oh, it absolutely could. I mean, the Ukrainians mm -hmm. are not just going to go. Let's go back, you know, five, six years when when Russia previously uh, invaded Crimea and annexed that and, and took over mm -hmm. that uh, that area of Ukraine. I mean, there was there was a war. It was we had the Daily Signal had a correspondent on the ground for many years in Ukraine, Nolan Peterson, who continues to do great reporting uh, for your, your your listeners who want to delve a little bit deeper into the issue. I would encourage them to, to seek out and, and look at Nolan's work. We are in a situation where the Ukrainians are not just going to back down. Now, they are severely outmatched and, and will, mm -hmm. will you know, not be able to, to match the, the Russian forces that have amassed and probably the Russian technology. But this is where the United States can come in, uh, provide uh, access to, to certain weapons and, uh, and do things that uh, without, you know, putting our own troops in, in harm's way uh, can help uh, the Ukrainian ally that we have there um, defend itself. Yeah, Rob, I'm, I hope I'm asking questions that other people are thinking. But when Russia wants to invade Ukraine, what is their end game? What do they want to have be the end result? Well, you have to go back and, and look at where Putin comes from. Uh, and he has a history of, of working with the KGB. He's very wedded to this, this notion of the Soviet empire. Uh, was very disappointed to see the Soviet Union collapse the way it did. And all of those former uh, Soviet territories uh, become free countries, free and democratic countries, for the most part. I mean, obviously, there are some that are more autocratic and, and not necessarily uh, the model of democracy that we would hope for. But, uh, but Putin, I think, would like to reclaim that land that he rightfully thinks is part of the Soviet empire. And obviously, Ukraine was 
an important part of that, a, a large piece of that. Uh, Ukraine also borders several other countries in, in Eastern Europe that uh, I think if, if Russia were to control a country like that, obviously they would be uh, those countries would be put on, on alert and on edge. And uh, I'm not saying we're, we're going to go down the path of, of, of what we had in, in World War II, but I mean, I think it is it is it is very concerning to see uh, the aggressive moves on Putin's part. And uh, and why he's doing this now uh, is is a big question. Uh, but I do think it a lot comes back uh, to this administration's failure to articulate a, a strong and um, for Putin. And he if he doesn't feel that uh, that he can be stopped, then he's going to march forward. Yeah. If you have a question for Rob Bluey, let me know what it is. You can text it over to 877-933-2484. I always hope I'm asking good questions, but you might have a better one. And you can text it over to me. I will ask it on your behalf, 877-933-2484. Next up, I want to find out about this article that Charlie Jacobs wrote at the Daily Signal, dailysignal.com. He found out that his daughter, not even at Catholic schools, are safe havens from gender ideology. That's next. Rob Louie, I love doing that every Tuesday to get my week started on Tuesdays. And Rob, some great questions have come in. Uh, one is, there are a lot of Ukrainian people who speak Russian and vice versa. What is the view from the Ukrainian citizens on this? Well, when Nolan Peterson, who who is, uh, again, a former foreign correspondent for The Daily Signal, would oftentimes speak to the Ukrainian people, uh, you know, and obviously there's millions of people in Ukraine. So, I mean, he's, he's, some of these accounts right. are anecdotal. Uh, but they were very concerned about their sovereignty. Now, obviously, Russia felt that it could annex Crimea because that was a portion that was, you know, there were there were Russian speakers and, and there was, I think, little, less resistance maybe from the people who, who live there. But other regions of Ukraine are very, very much uh, uh, want to maintain their own identity and sovereignty and mm-hmm. and want to have a strong border with Russia, and they do, do not want Russia to, to take over any uh, land. Now, one option here is, I mean, I think when we talk about an invasion, we think about Russia going into Kiev and the capital and uh, Kiev and, and really, you know, seizing control of, of all the apparatus. Another tactic on Russia's part could be to claim certain regions along the border to just expand its territory. This This might not happen all in one motion, this could happen gradually. And I think that that is a bigger challenge because that could wear down the Ukrainian forces. Mm -hmm. And before we jump to the next uh, topic on the article that was written by Charlie Jacobs on uh, trans um, uh, gender ideology, I just want to jump back to a listener that asked about Sunday's rally, which was regarding the vaccine mandate. We didn't really talk about that. We didn't. And uh, my colleague, Mary Margaret Olihan, was out there on Sunday interviewing many of the participants, uh, smaller than the March for Life in terms of size, but uh, but still a, a decent showing and, and notable, Bill, because uh, the Washington, D.C. 
mayor has put in place a requirement that will uh, not prohibit that prohibits you from going into a restaurant unless you have a vaccine card and an ID. Uh, so it, the irony here, of course, is that uh, you know many of these these mayors, these Democrat mayors, don't want you to show an ID when you vote. But now, in order to get into a restaurant, you have to have two two forms of ID: uh, a vax card and and a photo ID. And uh, and the restaurants are enforcing it aggressively, so they uh, they had to turn away customers. I know some mm-hmm. some people who are refusing, uh, regardless of their vaccination status, just don't think it's any business of the restaurant owner to see their their private medical information, and so they're refusing to patronize those those businesses. And uh, and so they were speaking out against these types of mandates. Uh, encouraging news on this front today, uh, OSHA, which of course uh, was uh, rebuffed by the U.S. Supreme Court and told that it's uh, COVID-19 vaccine mandate uh, on employers of over 100 workers was uh, was not lawful, decided to withdraw the rules. So it will not be pursuing that particular rule. But there are still two other fights out there. One with regard uh, to medical workers, which the Supreme Court did upheld and said could move forward. Uh, so if you work at a hospital, the federal government can put this uh, this restriction in place. And also one on federal workers, um, which is uh, currently being challenged in a district court uh, has uh, has temporarily halted that one. So uh, the fight's not over. There are a lot of people who feel that it's no business of their boss or the federal government to know their vaccine status. And I have to agree with them. I think it is a personal decision. That's private medical information that um, that should be uh, yours to keep and, uh, and not for the government's task. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about a possible invasion of Russia into Ukraine. And I know that there have we have readied some troops here to possibly uh, go there. And the question came in, is there any chance of a compelled draft being implemented? It seems unlikely at this point, although uh, that certainly is is something that still exists as an option. You you and I, I think, not too long ago, we're talking about the draft because there was a big push in Congress um, to include uh, women in the draft, uh, requiring them to to register with the Selective Service. But, uh, you know, I I think it's probably unlikely at this point. Uh, The draft hasn't been pursued. First of all, I don't think it would be a popular decision on the part of of President uh, Biden to, to do that. And I think that uh, we're, we're a far way from, from, you know, exhausting the military resources that we have uh, currently uh, in, our, in the Army and, and the Air Force and, and the Navy and the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. If you go to DailySignal.com, you can read an interesting article by Charlie Jacobs. That, that's a pen name. She's actually a California wife, mother of two teenagers, thinking that a Catholic school would be a place where there would not be the uh, gender ideology. No, and it, it seems to have invaded all schools. I mean, public, private, uh, I think homeschooling is the only only yeah. way you can truly shield your, your children, Bill. And unfortunately for a lot of people, uh, that's just not an option, either because they it, it, financially they can't uh, afford to, to not work um, and, and do that full time, or they just don't feel like they have the capacity to, to teach their kids and they, they don't have the confidence to do that. And so I, I certainly uh, certainly understand those concerns, but I mean, for the people who do homeschool, uh, give them all the credit in the world, and, uh, and I think they're probably uh, better off for it. Uh, in terms of private schools and even Catholic schools moving in this direction, it is, it is particularly troubling. And I think that it's important for parents to speak out, raise awareness about this, tell stories like uh, the one we published on The Daily Signal, uh, but also to confront uh, the teachers and the, the administrators at the schools themselves. I think that's one of the best ways uh, to do this. My own kid's school uh, is, is embroiled in this uh, fight with the governor of Virginia right now over wearing masks. 
Uh, they've mm-hmm. decided that they're going to disregard the governor's executive order. And I think it's really important for parents to let the school boards know. Oftentimes, they're the ones that are setting the policy. Uh, and, uh, you know, let them hear what's on your mind. If they only hear one perspective, and that's of people who either, you know, want to have a gender ideology in schools or want the kids to wear masks all the time, they might be more inclined to go in that direction. But if we make sure that they hear other voices and other perspectives, I think that's initial, an initial way to, uh, to fight back. Um, and we do need to push back because uh, this is not uh, not the type of uh, information that I think young children should be presented in schools. I think it's best left to, to parents to decide when they raise this with their own kids. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Rob. Um, talk about the core factors that are that's driving inflation right now, and and what should Congress and the Biden administration do to try to fight these rising costs? Yeah, well, inflation's a big issue. It's the number one issue on the minds of a lot of voters. Uh, many people think that it'll be the determining factor in the uh, 2022 midterm elections, and uh, Democrats are, are really running for the exit in Congress right now as a result of that. Unfortunately, the, the Biden administration is not acting fast enough. Uh, you know, Bill, I was, I was born at the tail end of the Carter administration, so I, I can't personally testify to this, but I've had my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation say that Jimmy Carter actually deregulated and tried to lower spending. Uh, he just did so too late. And I think it's a lesson for the Biden administration to hopefully take to heart, because if they wait much longer, it's going to get out of hand. And so some of the steps that they can do are, are what, what President Trump was doing when he was in office. And he was cutting the regulations, making it easier for businesses to do their jobs. Uh, the businesses are having to raise the prices right now, because uh, obviously the government is pumping a whole lot more money into the economy. Uh, we've had tr- Billions of dollars in, in COVID relief spending. We've had a number of factors in the labor market. Uh, their government uh, handing out very generous unemployment insurance benefits, uh, child uh, ta- tax subsidies. Uh, you know, these are not encouraging people to work because many of them feel that they can make more money just sitting at home receiving these government checks. We've had anecdotal evidence of that that happening, uh, and it's it's happening across the board. Uh, we're now seeing it with uh, the auto industry. Um, you, you can't get a new car. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, rental cars and prices are going through the roof. I mean, people are starting to feel it. And the other side effect of this bill is employers, uh, the, the businesses cannot keep up with the pace of this. So they can't give employees 7 and 10% raises to offset the cost of goods that they're seeing on the market. Mm-hmm. Rob, we just have about 90 seconds left, but a question came in. At what point does safeguarding the health of others take priority over individual freedoms? Well, that's the big debate right now when it comes to mm-hmm. COVID. And, and, Bill, I would say that uh, you know, we, have to, we have to cherish our individual freedom and, uh, and let people make the best decisions uh, for themselves. We've had now 18, 20 months of a campaign here uh, to try to get us on, the, on, on a situation where we're, we're as close to back to normal as possible. And I can tell you, things in Washington, D.C. are not back to normal. Most businesses are still having employees work from home. You still see the president touting vaccines and boosters, despite the fact that you know, a lot of the new cases from Omicron are people who have been vaccinated. And so I think it's common sense here, Bill, and I hope we can get back to some of that and we can stop lecturing the American people and uh, ending these lockdowns that have affected so many of their lives in negative ways. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Rob, for uh, coming on and also taking some listener questions. I kind of like this, that you that you get grilled by listeners. I love this. <laughs> I'll get grilled by you and listeners. I love it. Bill. Exactly. Exactly. Week. That'll be a double dose. All right. Thanks. Have a great rest of the night, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Bill. You bet. Rob Bluey's been my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com. Check it out. 
and find out all about his uh, staff and his writers and his reporters on the beat. After a short break, we're going to talk to Ray Comfort next about the fear of dying. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Let's get it started. Jump in your So approximately 150,000 human beings die every day throughout the world. That is a massive 54 million people each year. And many, many are afraid of death. But Ray Comfort is my guest today. He is uh, the best-selling author of over 100 books and hosts an award-winning television show that airs in 190 countries. He's written a new book called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. Ray, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, I love it. So why did you decide to write a book about the fear of death? (laughs) Because it's humanity's (laughs) big problem. You know, we think we've got problems. We think we've got problems. The biggest problem all of us have is death. It's uh, according to Hebrews 2. Uh, the Bible says that the fear of death haunts all of humanity, and it uses wow. these words all their lifetime, Hebrews 2, 14, 15. And uh, when, I, when I meet people on the streets, which I often do, I say, um, are you afraid of dying? And they, their eyes widen, and they say, yeah. It's like they're thinking to themselves, how does he know? I haven't told mom, dad, my brother <laughs> and sister, but I'm terrified of dying, and we're all waiting around to die. And then I say, do you know what causes death according to the Bible? And they say, no. I say, well... It's wages. And they say, what? It's wages. The wages of sin is death. Famous Bible verse. God is paying you in death for your sins. Like a judge looks at a heinous criminal that's raped three girls and murdered them. He says, you've earned the death sentence. This is your wages. This is your payment. This is what is due to you. And sin is so serious in the eyes of a holy God, he's put us all on capital punishment. The soul that sins is will die. And that just widens their eyes even wider. I said, did you know that God has dealt with death, that Jesus destroyed death? In the Old Testament, God promised that death would be destroyed. New Testament tells us how he did it. I said, I never heard that. And so we go through the commandments. So it's a great opener for the gospel to address the will to live. The negative is a fear of death, but the positive is that we have a will to live. We're not like the animals. God's placed eternity upon our hearts. So it's a very powerful medium with which we can speak to the ungodly. Mm-hmm. Ray, so the Bible teaches us that it's pretty normal for people to fear death. Oh yes, pretty pretty normal. Yeah, pretty you know, normal. It's that it's that that knowledge that we have that everybody has a will to live. Everybody has a cry of "Oh, I don't want to die." That should make us bold in our faith. Think of how a waitress mm-hmm. approaches the table at a restaurant. She sees three businessmen wheeling and dealing millions of dollars. She doesn't stand back and say, "I don't want to interrupt these guys. They look too important." She just walks up and boldly says, can I take your order? And the reason she's bold is she knows she has what they want. They're there to eat, so they don't mind being interrupted. <laughs> and in John chapter 4, Jesus used that same principle. He said to the woman at the well, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you, you'd ask of him, and he'd give, he'd give you living water. And the world don't realize what we have in Christ. We've got everlasting life. If they knew what we had, they'd be pleading with us, tell me more, tell me more. So we've got to be bold and go up to them and say, I want to share something very important with you. And we can learn how to do it. And one way that people are learning how to do it is through our YouTube channel. We've got over 2,000 videos, 185 million views. And you can see people being witnessed to 
using the biblical gospel. You see atheists backslide, which is very interesting to see. And a lot of people um, who perk their ears up when they realize that the Bible has the answer to a greatest dilemma, death itself. Mm-hmm. Ray Comfort is my guest, and he gets a full eight hours of sleep a week. Uh, obviously, if you go to uh, his his books or his websites, you know he is constantly working and producing spectacular material. If you love God's Word and want to be effective in your evangelism, please go there uh, and learn more about uh, Ray and his work. Um, Ray, let's talk a little bit about believers. They put their faith in Christ, but they still struggle with the fear and how they will die. Address us thinking that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, all of us have a fear of death, but it can, it can be uh, controlled. For example, if you're standing on the edge of a plane 10,000 feet up and you have to jump without a parachute, you're going to be terrified beyond words, breathtakingly terrified. But if I issue you with a parachute that you know is going to open, you, you can trust it. Now you can control your fears. Now you realize you're not going to hit the ground at 120 miles an hour on your face. You're going to land on your feet at 15 miles an hour. And so you can now control your fears according to how much faith you have in that parachute. Trust it 100%, no fear. You'll jump out and go, whoopee, you wouldn't care less because you've got tr- faith in the parachute. If you've got fear, it's an a, uh, indicator that you haven't got total faith in it. And it's the same with Jesus. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I pass through death, and I'm 72, may not finish this interview, I know that I can control my fears by how much faith I have in Jesus. If I totally trust the Lord with all my heart, I'll have no fear at all. And that's a huge Mm -hmm. comfort to me. And that's what the Christian can have. And so we should be overwhelmed with compassion and horror towards unsaved people because they are like a person on the edge of a plane 10,000 feet up have to jump in the dark without a parachute. That's what death is to them. It's a haunting terror. The Bible calls it the king of terrors. And so our compassion for the ungodly will cause us to share with them that Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we can control our fears when it comes to our own mortality, and we can control our fears when it comes to reaching out to a lost. You know, when I approach any stranger to share the gospel with them, Every Zacchaeus suddenly becomes a Goliath. I'm not kidding. I have to battle fear all the time, but I'm like a firefighter. He shows up at a a fire and looks up at the fifth story. There's a woman and two kids at a window, and they're going to burn to death if he doesn't climb a 60-foot ladder and reach Mm -hmm. out to them. And he's terrified. He'd rather be at home, but he ignores his fears because he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of the fate of that woman and her two children. And so we've got to be the same, not to look at our fears. We've just got to look to the ungodly and say, man, people are dying all around us, especially with COVID. You know, they're terrified. They're facing immortality like never before. And we've got to say love is going to find a way to reach out to them. Yeah. Ray, if I can kiss up to you just a little bit right now, you have this brilliant way of of painting pictures. You, You put hooks on the wall so we can hang images and ideas on those hooks, and then we don't forget them. Uh, so thank you for your, the giftedness that God has given you that you are sharing with us. Because Well, I, uh, I learned it from the Master. Jesus spoke in parables all the time. Of course. And, it, it, yeah. and, you can, it, and you don't lose it once you see a picture in your mind. But I'll listen to this interview, and I'll drive home, and I'll remember everything. It's amazing, because this is the way you talk, so I appreciate it. Let's talk about Christians, and how should we respond to atheists, or maybe even evolutionists, who don't even believe in death? Yeah, um, thank They'll often say death is natural. I said, don't be silly. It's an enemy. The Bible speaks of death being an absolute enemy. And if you ever meet an atheist, don't say um, to yourself, this guy's intelligent. 
that's just being foolish because the Bible says the opposite. It says this man is a fool because right. he believes the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything. Not that there was nothing in the beginning, but nothing was the creative force that gave us flowers and birds and trees and the sun, the moon, the stars, puppies and kittens and fruits and seasons and the marvels of the human eye and life itself. All that was created by nothing. That's insane. And so I say to an atheist when I meet him, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Say, do you really believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? And they go quiet for about 10 long seconds and say, well, I, I don't believe it was nothing. I believe there was something in the beginning, but it wasn't God. So I said, well, let's see if we can find out why you don't want it to be God. How many lies have you told? Ever stolen something? You fornicating with your girlfriend, looking at pornography? And it turns out the issue is not intellectual. It's moral. They're like Adam running from God, hiding behind these thin bushes. And so you've got to flush them out using the rod of the moral law like Jesus did. Just take them through the commandments and say, Jesus said, if you look with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. If you hate someone, the Bible says you're a murderer. And that shows them they need a savior, shows them they're in great danger when death comes to them. They have to face God on judgment day. That's a fearful thing. Mm -hmm. Ray Comfort is my guest. He's written a book called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. You can go to livingwaters.com to learn more about Ray and his ministry. And also you can go to amazon.com and buy it if you want. You can do that today. So, Ray, do you believe the answer to anxiety and depression, which is just exploding right now across the world, the answer, can that be found in, in faith in Christ? And does that mean that if, if those struggles will completely leave me as a person? No, you still get depressed as a Christian. And, you know, one thing that just drives me crazy, uh, insane, is the fact that anyone who gets depressed is called mentally ill. No, they're not mentally ill. Life is incredibly depressing. And the more you think about life, the more intelligent you are, the more depressed you're going to be. You know, and, and so when some, some celebrity says, I come out, I'm, I've got mental disease because I'm depressed. No, you haven't. You're a normal human being that's got a will to live, and you see death heading towards you like a, a great 18-wheeler, and it makes you depressed. <laughs> and and the, the answer is just get off the road because sin brings forth death. The Bible says that. The two are married to each other. And so uh, the gospel is the answer. But, I mean, as a Christian, I fight depression. Not in a sense of utter hopelessness, but, you know, I don't watch the news like I used to. It's just so depressing. But leads, it leads. I just keep it on. And so I'm very careful what I take in. And often I'll get depressed for no reason. I mean, I've got everything I want in life, a wonderful wife and a really good dog and nice food, and I'm depressed. And what is it? Well, we're fighting a spiritual battle. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So you have to pull yourself together and... Just say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord even though I'm down, and the joy of the Lord will be my strength, and you've got to pull yourself up by your boot, bootstraps. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, being a Christian doesn't mean a smooth flight. It just means a safe landing, as someone once wisely said. Yeah, one of the uh, more famous uh, people who died in the Bible was Lazarus. Uh, and let's talk about that story of him and his sisters, Mary and Martha. What did that teach us? And is it possible to worship through our grief the way Mary did? Yeah, um, it's a wonderful story in that they obviously were going to be <laughs> have Jesus come and fix this problem. Lazarus is sick. Jesus is a miracle worker. He just says something and it happens. So we'll just call on Jesus to show up. And the Bible says he waited for two days until Lazarus died. 
And so now Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, have got a problem. Are they going to get bitter at Jesus because he didn't bother to show up when his friend that he loved was sick and heal him? Well, he shows up and he raises him from the dead. You know, four days dead, stinketh up he comes, out the grave. He did exceeding abundantly. And so we've got to realize that God sees things differently than we do. We say, why don't you answer my prayer and do this? He is answering your prayer, but he's doing it in the light of eternity. And I, I went through a rotten time about two years ago. I got um, kidney stones, ended up with four kidney stones, four uh, surgeries. There was an impacted kidney stone, and I had pain like I never believed, but came out the other end, and God didn't heal me. It was a matter of four surgeries. came out the other end, and I just got to say, God did something deep in my heart. You know, I cry a lot easier. I've got much more compassion. I'm more patient with people. And I have to say with the psalmist, it was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So anything that happens to the Christian can lean on that great safety net scripture. All things work together for good to those that love God and accord according to his purposes. So no matter what we go through, we can rejoice that God's working in us to will and do of his good pleasure. And even though Lazarus isn't being healed of his sickness, he's going to be raised from the dead. God does exceeding abundantly far above all we ask or think. And I just want to add one little thing. Jesus said to his disciples, not a hair of your head will perish. And yet they all died. They were martyred, except for John, who died of old age or something. But where's that promise? Well, you'll see it in eternity. You'll see not a hair of the head of the apostles will perish because God keeps his promises. It's impossible for him to lie. And that's the consolation we have in the face of death and in this dark world in which we live. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Ray Comfort is my guest. He's the best-selling author of over 100 books, and the one that he has just uh, written is called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. You can go to livingwaters.com to learn more about Ray and his ministry and his books and his videos, livingwaters.com. So when we come back, I'm going to find out a little bit more about all the suffering in the world and, and how we can understand God through suffering. That's all next. Comfort as my guest today. He's written a book called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. Ray, I recently watched a video that you did where you were encountering uh, an atheist on the beach, and he was very uh, compelling in his side of the argument, and you were very loving, very disarming, very kind. You kept it at a very even uh, keel, and I thought, boy, there's so much to learn from watching you at work. So thank you for all the videos you put out and all the ways in which you uh, help us and encourage us to do uh, the same. All right. So I assume you're still there, Ray, aren't you? You know what, Bill? Let's uh, get him back on. All right. I guess we've lost uh, Ray here for just for a minute. His brand new book is called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. And when you have anxiety about death, and many of us do, Uh, to rid yourself from fear, you need to commit the outcome and the uncertainty over to God through trust and prayer with thanksgiving. 
And, you know, really, when we think about the inevitability of death, that we all will face it, it is what we are all, there's a one-to-one odds that you're going to die. So uh, be prepared and know that God has got a brilliant plan for uh, eternity. And God has made the way to find everlasting life so simple that a child can understand it. All you really have to do is just to be honest and humble. And we all know that we need to repent of our sin and trust in Jesus alone for your eternal salvation. That alone today will remove your fear of death or reduce it greatly. So, um, and that, of course, repentance always means to turn from your sin. So, I think I got Ray back. You have. Oh, Ray, I missed you. Can I tell you how much I missed you? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I would love, I don't know if you heard any of what I was talking about, about your video. I saw you encounter an atheist on the beach, and you were uh, so level-headed and kind and generous with him, and he was very compelling in his argument, and you were very disarming, very calm, and you teach us so much through how you model uh, staying engaged in conversation. So thank you for all those videos you put out, because they are wonderful. Well, for us, it's a huge um, encouragement because we're living in days of COVID. I used to preach every Saturday open air at Huntington Beach to crowds for about 13 or 14 years. And when COVID came, it just stopped. Uh-huh. And so now I, I, uh, I used to go down to the Huntington Beach Pier and just interview people one-to-one. And what's happened is if I get a good interview, it can have, get a million views. It's just amazing. I so I, I find my time and energy is more... Uh, profitable to put it into one-to-one interviews and uh, videotape people. But our YouTube channel with 185 million views has so encouraged us that in these dark days, we're able to reach literally millions through this medium, which is so often used for evil, but now it can be used for the gospel. So we we love it when people take our our links and share them with their friends and family. And one thing we encourage people to do is don't say to, you know, Uncle Arthur, I want you to watch this. No, that's going to upset him, get the fur on the back of his neck to stick up. You just say to him, Uncle Arthur, I'd love to know what you think of this. That appeals to his ego. Oh, my opinion's important. Let's have a look at it. And he comes, he comes under the sound of the gospel, not as a sweaty preacher uh, with a loose tie pointing his finger at him, but as a fly on the wall listening to somebody talk about things that really matter, the fear of death and is there an answer and things like that. So... Uh, it's a tremendous medium that, that anyone can use to reach the unsaved, and we're delighted that God has allowed us to do so. Mm-hmm. Ray, there's so much suffering in the world. So how, how can we understand God through suffering? And, and what does it mean to, to fear and trust God? Well, the issue of suffering often comes up with the ungodly. They'll say, I don't believe there's a God because there's so much suffering. So I say, well, look, let's say you buy a brand-new Toyota, and you're thrilled with Toyota because— They've done such a good job in making this car. You even boast about it to people, what a great make it is. And then you find that the accelerator gets stuck on one of these Toyotas and crashes and it kills people. And you look around at all the suffering on the road where people are lying there groaning and dying. So what do you do? Say, oh, nobody made this car. That makes no sense. It's an illogical leap. You don't move from this car is a wonderful make to nobody make it because of the issue of suffering. And when we look around, we see the genius of God's creative hand. Every painting is proof of a painter. Every building is proof of a builder. And we know God exists because of creation. You can't have a creation without a creator. And so we can marvel at the beauty of the sun and the 
the, the early morning dew and the flowers and the birds and puppies and kittens and say, what wonderful world we live in. And then we look at the issue of suffering. We don't say, oh, there's therefore no God because there's suffering, because that's an illogical leap. We say something has gone radically wrong, as we would with the car. Something went wrong. That's why there's suffering. And the book of Genesis tells us what went wrong. As by one man sin entered the world and death came because of sin. And with sin has all come all this evil that we see all around us and all these terrible things and the creation being in a fallen state with hurricanes and floods and tornadoes and tsunamis and disease and all these things show us the book of Genesis is true. So we shouldn't use the issue of suffering as a, an excuse to reject God but a very real reason to accept what the scriptures say and what they say about how to find peace with God too. So suffering can be used in a positive sense to wake people up and say, look, there is a God and he gives us an explanation if you'll listen. Mm -hmm. Ray Comfort is my guest. His book is How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. Uh, So Ray, we become new creations in Christ through salvation, but we, we still can struggle with our old sinful flesh and our weaknesses, I assume God understands our weaknesses. How do we, how do we process that? Well, we process it with, in Pilgrim's Progress. You see a Christian walking along, just enjoying life, and suddenly a man jumps out from behind a tree and grabs his skin and pulls him. And he turns and says, who are you? And he says, I'm Adam. And each of us have what's called an Adamic nature a sinful nature, and that stays when you become a Christian. When I became a Christian, I became a new creature in Christ. All my sins were washed away. I began a brand new life, but I'm stuck with a sinful, selfish nature. I'm continually tempted to lust after women. I used to have no problem with it before I was a Christian, and the reason I had no problem with it is because I didn't fight it. It's like a man who's no problem with cigarettes. He has 30 packet, you know, 30 cigarettes a day. No problem at all, but take them off him and suddenly he's got a problem. And when we try, when we perpetually turn from sin through repentance, that's when we have a problem with selfishness and greed and all these things that that come into our heart. It's a continual battle for the Christian, and as long as it's a battle, we're safe. If you give in to sin, if you plan to sin, something's radically wrong. Uh, Jesus said, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is unfit for the kingdom. So someone who goes back to the world with all its sin, something is radically wrong. The Bible likens them to a dog that returns to its vomit or a pig that goes back to wallowing in the mire. The reason a pig wallows in mire isn't because it's a dirty creature. It just wants to cool its flesh, apparently. And that's what happens with false converts. They have to cool their flesh because they're not crucified with Christ. They've got to go back to the sin of the world to feed that sinful nature. So being a Christian means taking up your cross daily, denying yourself all those sinful pleasures, and following Jesus. And that's the path that leads to life. We don't earn it. It's a free gift. God's made us clean, and we just stay clean from the from the uh, uncleanness of the world. Mm-hmm. With cancel culture now, Ray, there's... A lot of people that may be a little bit more hesitant, but talk about how important it is for Christians to share their faith with others. Well, we've got issues that are overwhelmingly large, like the issue of abortion. What a battle. I mean, seriously, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and I think the issue is worse than it was 50 years ago, and that's because we battle symptoms rather than the cause. We, you know, we cut the grass rather than cut the weed at the top rather than pull it out by the root. The way to deal with the issue of abortion and homosexuality and all these other issues that are so big 
is to go for the heart. When I became a Christian, when I was born again, I immediately became pro-life. I immediately became one man, one woman in marriage. I became anti-adultery, anti-fornication, anti-pornography, anti-lying and stealing. Anything that God loved, I loved because he had given me a new heart and caused me to walk in his statutes. So when it comes to the, um, when it comes to the issue of abortion, what we've got to do is preach the gospel and not just say, this is wrong, it's terrible, it's horrific. We've got to say, you've got a sinful heart. You need to repent and trust in Christ. And the moment someone becomes a Christian, they become pro-life. And that's our agenda. It's not to get the world to agree with our morality. We don't want them to say, okay, you're right. I agree. It's not right to kill a baby in the womb. And they end up going to hell. We don't want that to happen. We want them to come to Christ. And the fruit of their salvation will be a love for righteousness. And that's what this nation needs, the power of the gospel to transform it. Ray, I'm always so encouraged when I speak to you. Thank you so much for taking time to do the show, writing this book. It's an important book, and I, I hope I hope the listeners go get the book. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being on. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, have a great rest of the day. Great comfort to my guest. Oh, sir. Thank you so much, Ray. Ray Comfort has been my guest, and his book is um, is interesting. It's called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. And if you have questions, anxieties, um, it will address many of those uh, in a very clear, concise way. So we'll take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to spend the full hour with Dr. Mark Muska. So that's all up next. If you have a question for Ask the Professor, now's the time to send it over. You can send it via text to 877 933 2484 again 877-933-2484 ask the professor that's all coming up next thanks for listening programming like this is made available through your support Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.